and welcome back to the Can Do Can Say podcast. Today, I want to talk to you about targeting relaxation. If you want to optimize horse welfare and rider safety, it's imperative that we always target relaxation when training, riding, and handling our horses. The horse's level of relaxation is directly tied to its emotional level, and that's often controlled by how predictable its environment is. Later in this podcast, we'll discuss how you can make your training more predictable. But first, we should look at the difference between emotional level and relaxation. For a large prey animal, an unpredictable environment is going to result in a heightened emotional or arousal level because horses are designed not only to be vigilant, but to flee from danger. It is, however, important that we think about relaxation and emotional level as different states so that we don't get them confused. Emotional level plays a big part in how engaged your horse is with you and where his or her attention is focused. You may hear someone say, my horse is so relaxed, he's asleep. This horse might appear to be relaxed but is not engaged and thus has a relatively low emotional level. What happens to this relaxed horse when a dog rushes out of the bushes? He'll wake up, he'll probably shy, run off, and his emotional level instantly skyrockets. Shying is the most frequently reported ridden behavioural problem in horses and a result of not engaging the horse and thus regulating his or her emotional level. In these podcasts, I discuss how to regulate your horse's emotional level to enhance training. We need to significantly raise it in order to engage the horse with learning, but we must not raise it so high as to allow the horse to become anxious. This is training in the engagement zone, and it is through this work that we can target relaxation. Being able to recognize relaxation in your horse is especially important and most easily done by comparing your horse's behavior and posture in different situations. The main indicator of relaxation is a lack of unnecessary tension in the muscles. Good examples of this are horses that are being very vigilant in the field with a high, tense head and neck, horse pulling on the bridle, vocalizing or calling out to its friends when alone. A relaxed horse in these same situations might be walking quietly across the field, traveling in a soft round frame in self-carriage or standing quietly in a situation of social isolation. Anytime we make the horse tense, we sacrifice relaxation. This might be something we do by mistake, for example, startle the horse by suddenly appearing around a corner, or it could be something we do habitually, such as an aid we apply or a piece of equipment we use. The over-tightened noseband is a good example of res- this relaxation sacrifice. Forcing the horse's jaw closed creates tension in all the facial muscles. If you try this for yourself, simply close your teeth together and hold that position. Feel the tension that builds up in your facial muscles and gradually down your neck and throughout your body. And we haven't even tied your mouth closed yet, never mind added a bit and rein tension to the equation. Clearly, trying to get your horse to relax while simultaneously creating tension with restrictive or tight equipment makes little sense. When training, the best thing you can do to help your horses to relax 
is to come to the lesson prepared, knowing exactly what you're wanting to teach and breaking the lesson down into manageable chunks for your horse. Lesson planning in horse training is as important as when teaching children in a classroom. The school teacher would never arrive in a classroom without having decided in advance what to teach and how to teach it. It's helpful to plan your horse's training lessons in the same way. First, decide what you want to teach. Next, consider whether there are many any prerequisites for that lesson, meaning is there anything the horse needs to know before you start the lesson? This is the most important step because if the horse does not have the education required to begin the lesson, then he or she is going to end up confused in a higher state of emotion than at the start and will be completely unable to relax. But once you have these points covered, you can break the lesson down into its four basic components. These are the spot on the horse you want to move, the direction you want that spot to move because all training involves movement, the motivator you plan to use to signal the horse to move that spot, and the reward you're going to give the horse to demonstrate that the answer was correct. Let's use the example of give to the bit. Starting with teaching this on the ground, on the left side of the horse, to demonstrate, we can break it down as follows. Number one, the spot is going to be the nose. Number two, the direction, that's going to be laterally to left. Number three is the motivator. We're going to use light rein tension on the left rein. And number four is the reward, which after the release of the tension, we're going to praise the horse and give it a scratch on the wither. Having a lesson plan in detail allows you as the trainer to monitor the horse's progress and makes it easier to see if the horse is responding correctly. Let's think for a moment if we approach the same give to the bit lesson, but without having the breakdown of the spot, direction, motivator and reward. And we simply went out to teach the horse to travel in a soft round frame. With a very vague aim such as this, conveying our message to the horse in a way that he or she will understand is going to be extremely difficult. The other problem that arises is that we're considerably more likely to become reactive riders, constantly correcting the horse. As mentioned earlier, horses like their lives to be predictable, and this is why they learn patterns so well, as do we. With the proper use of combined reinforcement that always goes from light pressure to release to reward, the horse's environment becomes very predictable. From the horse's perspective, it looks very much like this. I feel a pressure, which could be a tactile pressure, but it may equally be the pressure of proximity or just being observed or your voice. I move in a certain direction and the pressure is released and I am rewarded. This is predictable. There's nothing here that will surprise the horse. You're being a proactive trainer and rider. On the other hand, if you set out with the vague game, you're more likely to have to resort to correction, which should also means punishment because they're exactly the same thing as we've discussed in a previous podcast. The main problem with using punishment in horse training is that we know that horses don't learn as well from punishment as they do from reinforcement. This may be because punishment makes the horse's environment unpredictable. The horse doesn't know it's made a mistake, so the resulting correction comes as a surprise, shattering the horse's nice learning pattern and any hope of relaxation. 
A rider that uses punishment to train, for example, by allowing the horse to make a mistake and then correcting it, is being reactive. Ultimately, the horse will disengage with learning. Thus, to target relaxation, remain proactive, keeping your horse's attention and focus on the lesson. Be sure to start with a plan. Always break the lesson down into its basic components before you start and consistently use combined reinforcement that is light pressure, release and reward. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you have any questions or would like to learn more about training your own horse using safe, evidence-based methods that are applicable to all disciplines, breeds and age of horse, then go to canduequine.com. Drop me a line while you're there and let me know if you have a topic you'd like covered in an upcoming episode of the Can Do Can Say podcast. Until next time.